Another Ronaldo rescue act has saved Solskjaer again in Europe. But in a parallel universe, Manchester United CR7 might have been wearing blue for this Saturday's Manchester derby. Even without the greatest Champions League and international goalscorer of all time, City are doing pretty well. Although defeat to Crystal Palace last weekend set off one or two alarm bells. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. is back with us after welcoming his daughter Molly into the world. Mark, how's life as a father? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Uh, great, actually. No, really, really enjoyed the first uh, week, 10 days with her. She's been brilliant. Uh, my other half, Kim, has been fantastic as well. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's obviously quite tiresome, but, um, or tiring, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Freudian slip there. He's in trouble already. He's only been on the show a minute. <laughs> Shows the lack of sleep. Um, yeah, no, it's good. Uh, wonderful. Lovely to have her in the world. He managed to cover it. I don't think anybody noticed. Um, <laughs> Manchester Derby at Old Trafford this Saturday. City 1.77 in the match odds market. Is that an overreaction, do you think, to how awful United were against Liverpool in that 5-0 defeat? Or is that just about right for you? Uh, yeah, it does feel slight, slightly short. Um this game last year without fans, City went off around 173. Uh, the year before when Liverpool won the title, City were 183 at Old Trafford. So not a huge amount of difference, but I just compare last season to this and there's not a huge amount of wriggle room between the two prices there. And I would suggest for United, just in terms of their star quality in that squad, do need to be taken, I wouldn't say seriously, but you know they have the potential to turn up. Um, but I think midweek against Atalanta, we saw their whole season almost you know, just a microcosm of what they've been doing, really. They had moments, particularly that first goal, which was a lovely link-up play, a beautiful goal. The second, again, a bit of individual quality. But ultimately, for the most part, they looked ragged. They looked second best and, and playing without a plan. And you know, it's easy to just go back three against Spurs and get a result and believe that things have changed, um, I think, against Atalanta. Uh, having Lindelof out and then losing Varane to injury as well. I know his hand was forced a little bit, Solskjaer, to, to have to change tact a little bit, but I just found the whole, or his whole performance quite bizarre, really, particularly the substitutes when you're, you're chasing a game and you don't bring Jaden Sancho on until the 87th minute. So, yeah, um, it's really hard to be pro-United in any way right now. Um, you know, the Liverpool game was obviously quite alarming. I didn't think, I mean, I didn't see the game in the 90 minutes for obvious reasons, but I watched the highlights back and it didn't feel like a 5-0 game, but the goals that they gave away were truly schoolboy stuff and I'm sure you've covered it already on the podcast. But, yeah, it, it's very difficult to be pro-United. Um, and at the same point, City have probably dipped a little bit defensively in the last couple of weeks compared to, let's be fair, some sky-high figures, you know, really out outrageous defensive figures. Palace, Liverpool, Brighton all had a bit of joy against them. Bruges to a certain extent as well. But uh, yeah, th this game is a, is a weird Manchester derby, isn't it? I mean, eight of the last 11 derbies have been won by the away team. Uh, and Solskjaer has a 50% win rate against Pep Guardiola, which is mind-boggling, really. So... You kind of chuck it all into the melting pot and I find it quite a difficult game to analyse from a betting perspective. I don't think there's huge value in City, uh, but I also think the goal line might be a touch too high as well at three. Uh, two of the last 12 Premier League uh, meetings between these two have featured four or more goals. Uh, I know there's obviously the capacity for this game to, to go a bit bonkers, a bit like the Liverpool game, but um, for me it was kind of about trying to find a way to, to side with City, but also side of opposing a really high goal line. But 
Um, I'd be interested to hear what, what Stinch's views are on this game because I, I did find it uh, a little bit tricky to, to kind of analyse. Um, but ultimately, United, <laughs> you've got to be a brave man to back United this weekend, even at the price, I believe. Well, as Mark has alluded to, we've got odds compiler and betting expert Mark Stinchcom with us again. Stinch, this week we've opened up the show to listeners who might have questions for us. And Mike uh, wrote in with this. Are Manchester United shooting themselves in the foot by persisting with Solskjaer? And Antonio Conte is, if now, is of course, now off the market. Seems like every time Solskjaer's under pressure, he gets a result. But then within a few weeks, we're back to square one and he's under that pressure again. Yeah, I think they're just constantly going around in circles, aren't they? And I don't necessarily think Antonio Conte would be the right answer anyway. He's not sort of manager that builds something for a long term. He's only he's only spending sort of two or three seasons in charge at a club, <clears throat> almost Mourinho-esque, getting, getting a trophy and then moving on kind of thing. So I'm not even sure he'd be the right person anyway. And I'm not sure why the kind of clamour is for them to only have to get a manager that's um, that's available. We've seen that they'll happily spend all the money on Ronaldo's wages, the transfer fees on Sancho, for example. Why couldn't they do that with somebody like a Gasparini at Atalanta? Not the right example, I don't think, because, you know, he's quite old. I think they'd be, you know, if there's somebody similar vein to Klopp or Tuchel or Guardiola, that should be the one who they target, I would, I would suggest. Somebody that's got got a track record of playing progressive football, which I believe is the style that they want to play. I mean, they don't have to, but I ultimately believe that is the correct template for long-term success. And I'd say the discussion probably goes beyond the football because, the you know, this has been Man United for the last however many seasons since Ferguson left really just a lot of underachievement based on the players that they have but the the owners it's almost as if the owners don't seem to care so in my mind I'm I'm no expert but it just seems to come down to well as long as the brand's doing okay then we're not really fussed what's going on on the the pitch and and ultimately they still have world-class players so kind of regard I mean any of us could get could get United to win the odd game here and there purely because they do have world-class players at their disposal and football is a low-scoring game you know there is a lot of lot of luck involved so even if they were to you know backs against the walls for 90 minutes and then Ronaldo pops up with a winner not necessarily as I say that's long-term success but it you know it keeps the keeps the wolves away from Solskjaer for another week kind of thing in terms of this match I don't have a <clears throat> I don't have a strong opinion, but it, it, but I would definitely be leaning towards having having a better, bigger price because United have won five of the last ten meetings. So I definitely think this comes down the derby factor. I think does play play its part here because I don't think there's another team like a Chelsea or a Liverpool that have got a similarly good return over the last 10 games as Man United do against City and you look at some of the odds that United have won at 6-1, to 7-2, 7-1, 8-1, 15-4 and they're 7-2 this weekend so you know it kind of falls within that that sort of spectrum of prices you could if you wanted an even bigger price maybe you'd go for Ronaldo to score and United to win in the bet builder that's 6-1 to one. Or when the odds become available, I bet that I mentioned last time United played, Ronaldo to score, Ronaldo to get carded at double figures. You know, very unlucky in the Liverpool game. You could see he he did get 
uh, overheated, shall we say. You know, I kind of put it down to him maybe taking his top off after he scored a goal to celebrate. But this was him being very petulant, which is not normally... I don't think see too much in terms of engaging with the opposition. I think he gets petulant with his own teammates, but uh, not so much with the opposition. So, yeah, I think I don't really like to get with City because of their lack of uh, a regular goal scorer. <clears throat> so I think results like happened at uh, Palace last week are always uh, there's always the potential there for them. But at the same time, when they do win, I think it's almost impossible to predict how many they're going to sort of win by. You know, we're regularly looking at uh, City's goal line at sort of 2.5 or sometimes 3. And, you know, once a team's got to that many goals and the game is won, you look, you kind of look at the fixtures ahead and see maybe Guardiola starts to rotate. So, yeah, I think I would uh, I would side with United if I, had, if I was forced to. Not because of how I believe they're the better team, but I just, as I say, I just think at the prices, long term, think I don't think you can go wrong really. They only need to win this game one in four for you to make a profit, and as I say, they they won five of the last ten. So clearly, there's something in this derby where you know United raise their game, or City, you know, they don't fancy it. I have to say the bet that stood out to me, and you've mentioned him already, Stinch, was Cristiano Ronaldo to score two point seven to score at any time and it's the kind of game that he really thrives on that that ability uh, to really show off effectively as we know he loves to do now it's safer gambling week uh, this week a cross industry initiative to promote safer gambling in the United Kingdom and Ireland and there's lots of information at betting.betfair.com just look for the safer gambling tab at the top of the homepage. Crystal Palace up against Wolves on Saturday. Both clubs with new managers this season in Patrick Vieira and Bruno Lage. Fair to say, Mark O'Hare, both are doing pretty well. Yeah, they are. Um, I was particularly anti-Palace coming into the season and a lot of that stems from the managerial search that they went on through the summer and then the eventual appointment of Patrick Vieira, who I watched quite regularly in, in Ligue 1 with Nice and I thought was uh, below expectations and what he tried to achieve there. So I didn't think it was a, a massively appealing appointment. But if you look at expected points born out of match prices, so basically closing prices, and you can kind of gauge where teams should or shouldn't be in terms of what the, the market is expecting, um, Palace would be second bottom uh, and that's not down to anything they've done particularly on the field it's just down to the fixture list because they've already already been away to Chelsea Liverpool Man City West Ham and Arsenal and they've also had to host Brighton Spurs and Leicester so that's a really tough schedule to come into so to only lose two games in that time is obviously really positive and performances have been positive so much so that if you look at expected points bought out from expected goals which is the, the standard way they sit 10th and I think they deserve immense credit for that and I think the, the biggest compliment you can pay Palace so far this season was particularly last week winning away at Man City. It wasn't a fluke. Um, they deserved their their points. You know, they only restricted City to, to 1.15 expected goals, hit almost one XG themselves. They're back at Selhurst Park where they're unbeaten this season. Yes, they've drawn four of those games, but if you look at the underlying metrics, they've been performing reasonably well. They scored in seven of their last eight as well. 
So I think there's a, a lot to be positive about with Palace um, and obviously with Wolves too. We saw through the first three games where they were pointless and goalless. Everyone could see that they were a lot, lot better than those results suggested. And it's nice to see those tables turning. Five wins from seven now. They've scored in six of those seven. Raul Jimenez coming back into full fitness and scoring goals again. He looks happy. He looks comfortable. Huang making a, a really positive impact as well, which is great to see after a difficult time with Leipzig. Trincao, something different. So much so that you've got Adama Traore coming off the bench if needs be, Fabio Silva, Pedence as well. So they've got options in forward areas. And um, I was quite surprised, to be honest, looking at the goal line and the prices available on goals in this game, because I think the market is almost being a little bit too biased towards what happened last season and the managers in charge last season compared to what we've seen this campaign, because both have been proactive, both have been attack-minded. Now, Premier League matches so far... This season are averaging, um, or both teams to score has averaged uh, 49% of the time. Um, but we're getting even money here for both teams to score between Palace and Wolves. And everything tells you these two teams are completely different to what we saw last year. And I think both teams will see this as a, a winnable opportunity as well, which always bores out a, a decent, entertaining game. Both teams looking to try and win the match too. So the market says Wolves are the strongest suit. I probably tend to agree with that just about. But uh, Palace are trending in the right direction. And I think they can certainly get on the score sheet, cause Wolves some problems and, and vice versa too. So I think both teams score even money was one of my better bets from the Premier League this weekend. Stinch, that sounds very sensible indeed. Uh, I'm quite excited excited now about both teams to score. I think that's a great bet. Uh, is that the angle you're taking as well? Yeah, Matt painted the picture of both teams really well. Um, I'm I'm really keen on, on goals, uh, same as him. I'm just being a bit more, I'd say, I'd say pragmatic because I'm going to go for over 2.25 goals, around about 2.1 on the exchange. So that's half my bet on over 2.5 and half my bet on over two. So if there is only two goals in the game, I still get half my state back I say pragmatic just because I'm only relying on kind I can only rely uh, on one team contributing so if one team was to win 3-0 as much as we don't expect that to happen because we've said both teams are fairly even in terms of ability um, I just get that little bit of insurance and as I say if if it does finish 1-1 obviously Mark's bet would win which is great and I'd still get half my state back um, so you know that, that's the route I, I'm going down um, Palace games so far have averaged 2.7 goals per game and Wolves have also averaged the same based on expected goals I think we've seen especially at the beginning of the season in those three 1-0 defeats the Wolves are very very unlucky their, their play and performance definitely deserve more out of those Palace have kept just three clean sheets in 10 under Vieira and you know that kind of goes away from from the Hodgson kind of style of play where they were set up to to be compact and try and nick a goal I would say or hope for Zaha to sort of sprinkle some magic uh, and Wolves is similar really they've kept just two under under Lager and I think that just you know paints a clear picture that they that they both are playing on the front foot and, you know, the numbers back that up. You know, they've both improved their attacking output under the, the new managers. So Palace are averaging 1.7 expected goals for Wolves, just just similar or slightly less, 1.66. To put that in perspective, last season it was just 1 and 1.2 respectively. So there's been a huge shift in terms of not just chances, but in terms of high chance creation. So, yeah, with the, with the shift in focus from attack, uh, into attack and losing a bit, I would say, as a result at the other end in defence. I think it just, you know, clear to see that that we should be siding with goals. Um, the bet would have lost just once in Palace's game, which was only Vieira's second in charge. So he hadn't probably hadn't quite um, 
imprinted his mark on the team. I think it's really good to see both Benteke and Rao Jimenez both scoring again. You know, both of them have gone through periods of uh, barrenness, and uh, I think it's always good to have a you know someone that you can rely on. Uh, I also quite like Odson Edward and also Huang. They both seem to have adapted well to the Premier League as well. You know, the Premier League is averaging 2.28 goals per game this season, and you know the odds the odds suggest here that. We're only expected to see about 2.4 goals. So, yeah, definitely both teams to score or overs, whichever you sort of prefer to play. Uh, I think they're both great bets. Now, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet. So Betfair is now offering no cash out suspensions on match odds over, under and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. Now, at time of recording, it appears that Newcastle have failed in their efforts to bring in Unai Emery as their new manager, and they're targeting the former Bournemouth boss, Eddie Howe. We had a listener question about this. Are the guys surprised more clubs aren't pursuing the kind of analytical approach that Brighton and Brentford have used so well? Stinch, I'll let you take this one, because we kind of alluded to it before that obviously Brentford and Brighton have had great success with this. It seems to me that Newcastle have got this the wrong way around. They've gone out looking for a coach, whereas actually the first thing they should have done after the Saudi takeover was get the best sporting director they possibly could, who could then run the whole operation. But they seem to have done it back to front. (laughs) Yeah, just to touch on on Newcastle quickly before I answer the question, I think they have made a mistake. Um, Probably not going to bother them because they've got loads of money to bail themselves out. You're right in getting a football person in charge because it's very concerning uh, that they seem to have leaked the fact that they thought they had Emery and they weren't even anywhere near from from what reports suggested. Um, so it's not very good to be kind of, you know, having those leaks come out unless you can back them up, I would say. So... I mean, it's 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 going to be it's going to be interesting if uh, you know because there's six points adrift of adrift of safety. In my mind, as soon as the owners were appointed, I was sort of okay. Well, Newcastle will be safe. Well, if they keep you know if they don't get things sorted sooner rather than later, then it might be too late. You know, you can spend all the money you want in January. You've seen lots of clubs for a lot of money at, at in January and not not been successful in survival. And and say, other than Norwich, I don't think there's any sort of cannon fodder in the Premier League. So it it could be a long season. Would it be so bad if they went down to the Championship? Probably not. They did it a couple of times under Mike Ashley, didn't they? And came back, came back fine. So one season out probably is not the... Not not necessarily a thing that's going to cost them uh, because of all the massive finances they got. In terms of the analytics side... I think we touched on it last week. The problem is, is the football industry is very old school. They are very result orientated. They are very biased by results. And managers that try and come with this sort of money ball approach or sporting directors, they literally don't have a big enough sample size often for their process to to bear its fruits, essentially. So you need somebody that's really understanding. And the fact that Brentford and Brighton, the two clubs you mentioned, are owned by gamblers, successful gamblers, they understand that this approach is long term. We see the fact that it took Brentford, you know, two or three seasons to get out of the championship. You know, if that was under a normal owner, you know, you wouldn't be surprised to see to see somebody sacked. I mean, Mark Warburton, he he left of his of his own accord from from what I gather because of a different opinion of how uh, Brentford's vision was. 
So I believe it is the right way to go. But even having said that, even in the Premier League, for example, 38 games doesn't often give justice to, to a team's true ability. I mean, we saw last season Man United finished second. But they overachieved, I think, by about 10 expected points and, and very fortunate to finish where they were. And I think that finishing second, you look at a lot of, uh, of analysis done in the media, they, they'll say, oh, well, United finished second last season. And that's seen as a positive when, realistically, Liverpool had zero defence and Chelsea were under Lampard for half the season. So you, you really need to... I mean, this is why we dig down into the, these metrics to try and find more information because football is a low-scoring game and, and you say the results don't always bear fruit. So I do believe an analytical process is, is the correct way going forward, but it's very difficult to convince the masses. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. The leaders, Chelsea, are up against Burnley at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea, 1.28 to win this one. Burnley, a hefty 14. Mark, this is a home win, isn't it? I guess it's just how we turn that into something approaching evens, I guess. Yeah, I agree. And I think I've found a way, which is probably the way most people will try to approach this game. And that's just about Chelsea to win without conceding a goal. Um, the turnaround in their fortunes since back-to-back defeats to Man City and Juventus has been really quite outstanding. I think it's six wins across Premier League and Champions League, uh, conceding just once, and that was a penalty. Uh, if you look at their reign now under Thomas Tuchel, 47 games across all competitions, uh, tw- 30 wins across all competitions in 90 minutes, 26 of those have arrived alongside a clean sheet, uh, 29 shutouts and 47 overall. At Stamford Bridge, it's 16 from 25. Uh, the last two games against Newcastle and Norwich, they just managed to concede only three shots in the box combined, which is quite outrageous, wow. really. Um, and yeah, Burnley have been better than their points tally suggests, and they will feel they were due a, a big win, which they got last weekend against Brentford. But ultimately, they have been nilled by Liverpool, City and Arsenal, despite some promising patches in, in all three of those games. Uh, they're the three top six teams they've played so far this season. If you look at all the attacking metrics, non-penalty expected goals, etc., uh, they're pretty much in the bottom six for all of those and I just think Chelsea without Lukaku and, and Timo Werner there's probably a bit more emphasis on keeping things tight and keeping that control of the game uh, which we saw at Malmo they absolutely dominated that first half 14 shots did struggle to get the goal but once they got the goal they just shut down the game and, and saw it out and I think that will be quite similar to, to what we see here I've just been a little bit more wary considering they, they blew Norwich away I don't expect them to do the same to Burnley but I just think the leap from 2 to 9 to basically 10 to 11 or 19 to 20 if you can get it about 1.95 on Chelsea just to win the game to Chelsea to win to nil that's a huge increase considering it's banked in seven of their eight Premier League wins this season and just my final bit of research into this game you see the league table Chelsea have only conceded three goals in the Premier League so far but what's probably gone under the radar a little bit is two of those goals were penalties so Man City are the only team to score a non-penalty goal against Chelsea in the Premier League this season and we're into November uh, 15 hours of Premier League football uh, and just one non-penalty goal conceded which is absolutely outrageous so um, if you can count on them to, to repeat the feat against Burnley I think the increase from, from 2 to 9 to 10 to 11 is absolutely worthwhile Let's go from a club with heavy German influence to the actual Bundesliga because Stinch you have a selection from a game that involves two sides that are really struggling Yeah and I think you painted the picture quite well there because Bundesliga is generally seen as a goal heavy league and because of that I feel as though we can get value 
on unders in the right spots. And I think Stuttgart v Armenia Bielefeld is is the right spot essentially. Both both teams are struggling this season, both in the in the bottom half. I think Armenia overperformed in the end and were quite lucky that Schalke and, and Bremen were basically abysmal uh, last season uh, and they took advantage of that to to, to stay up, but I think this season, along with Furt, they are. They looks like they are the most likely to to go down. the The odds here over two point five is eight to eleven. Unders is evens, and again, I don't I don't know who's going to score the goals to to take us over evens. Uh, to well, take Stuttgart us over have lost 2.5. all of their best attacking players. Silas yes. is out, Kalajic is out, and they haven't found a way to replace those guys at all. Yeah, Nico Gonzalez left a Fiorentina in the summer, so that's fifty-nine percent of their goals they're missing from from last season. And the top scorers this season are both defenders with three goals, and you know that's unsustainable, really. Um, you can't keep expecting Mavropanos to to score from outside the area, <laughs> or uh, uh, Kempf to to keep scoring from from corners. I think he scored three three from corners, so. Stuttgart have scored 15 goals this season, but eight have come in two games. So, you know that tells you that um, that it's not something that they're consistent in doing. Um, but this is mainly getting with Bielefeld basically because their their game plan. I've mentioned it quite a few times before is to keep things tight and try and nick thing on the break because they haven't got anything going forward really. Having lost Rizzo Duan in the summer, he was the top top score joint top scorer and and most assists. So he was like their most creative player, and his loan expired. And they haven't been able to to replace him, unfortunately, for them. 16 of the last 22 games have gone under 2.5 goals. And again, I'm talk- I'm going to actually be a bit more pragmatic and go for under 2.75 on the exchange. Should be able to get around about 1.95. So I'm kind of you know stealing a quarter of a goal there um, in in that respect. And actually, it's no surprise really when they play bottom half teams, their re- that record improves even higher. So 18 of the last 21 against bottom half sides have gone under 2.5. Stuttgart currently in 13. And the, the goals in, in those games averaging just 1.86. Yet the odds suggest here that we're going to see 2.8 goals. So again, a huge, huge disparity between between the market and what's actually happening. Armenia, as I say, they've only, they've only managed 14 goals in 23 games under Frank Kramer since he took charge at the beginning of the year. So... Don't don't see where these goals are gonna gonna come from, and, and as I say, it's something that uh, that I've been backing regularly, and, and will continue to do so until the the market kind of moves. I would say I'm not going to say 2.25 because I do believe that eventually the the opposition will take the game to Armenia, but I don't think overs should be favourites. And and Armenia actually won this fixture two 0 in May, and I think that gives you a really good idea of of how the game's going to basically play out. Yeah, that was the win that ultimately uh, kept Armenia up, but it's been a real struggle for them. They're just very direct and don't really have that flair that they need. So I totally agree with that one from Stinch. Another question, by the way, from Josh Wright. This one I'll give to you, Mark. With XG being so widely used these days, would we be wise to take a step back and go a bit more old school to work out what prices should be in our minds and therefore try and beat the market? Are there non-data ways to get an edge? I know you use data, Stinch uses data. Obviously, we have Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal on the show a lot, uh, and he works with data every day. 
But we've always said, haven't we? It's a mix. You use the data, but you also use the site test, don't you? Yeah, 100%. Uh, really interesting question, that, because uh, I am of the opinion now that uh, data is almost being overused in terms of the, the uh, odds compiling. Um, it's so, so focused on on XG, um, but yeah, there can be a way in which you can kind of go against the market with that. I mean, the truth be told, I would feel a bit naked without my uh, sort of data beside me. Uh, oh, we don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we, we've said it before, the, the beauty of the data is the fact that you you, you can't see every game every week from every league, but the data will give you a, a great guide to what's happening. But if you can see as much as you can with your eyes, you can pick up things that the data doesn't. Um, you know, XG, for example, is all based around shots and having a, an attempt, but quite often teams will get into really promising positions and the final ball will let you down, but that's not going down as, a, as an XG attempt because the... the the end product wasn't a shot at goal. So things like that, uh, weaknesses in certain teams, tactical approaches can all be born into it. But um, yeah, there's no substitute for your own eyes, but uh, particularly in lesser sort of leagues, I do think there's a, an edge to be had over the compilers because those compilers will have their focus. They, they'll have more than just one league to, to cover as well. So they can't see every game. And I know some people who have great joy in the Scottish lower leagues who just live and breathe it, know all about the teams, the players, the team news, get out and watch these teams play quite regularly and, and have an idea about what they're looking for. Um, and obviously the, the compilers will go by the, the raw data most of the time and there will be edges to be had against it. But uh, yeah, I'd say that if you can find a niche, find a particular league that you, you particularly enjoy, um, not necessarily the Premier League, try and look a little bit beyond that because the Premier League is the most bet market in the world. So very rarely will you find sort of major sort of ricks in the prices. But I do, I do have a checklist as well as my, my XG stuff and, and, and sort of shot data. It can be anything from, um, I'm going to try and have a look, quick look at it now, but the weather, rest schedule, team news, mentality, form. Form's an interesting one as well because you don't just have to look at the, the season long data. You can actually sort of compile your own form datas via XG or shot data, which is always interesting. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a guy on Twitter called Bet on Value actually who's worth a recommendation. Um, that's a guy who basically where he finds the time I do not know but he comes up with the most outrageously good examples of bets just in a tweet where he'll be dipping into say the Brazilian second division he'll know uh, a certain team who either haven't been paid or have a particularly congested schedule and have said they're going to prioritise certain fixtures little things like that which you just can't quantify and I think if you can find an edge which can't be quantified by the market you're already sort of ahead of the game because the market does just look towards data most of the time and if you get those whether it's a top goal scorer missing or, like, like I say, a particularly hectic schedule. The team's been playing in Russia on Thursday night in the Europa League and has a long journey back for an early Saturday game. Just little things like that, which can't always be built into a market price. Then you're ahead of the game, essentially. Information is king. I like the idea of people organising some kind of minibus to go and see Elgin or Peterhead or something <laughs> like that, just to uh, inform themselves ahead of the weekend's action. Uh, worth bearing in mind, by the way, our fantastic multiples offers running every day. Bet £20 on multiples or bet builders and receive a £5 free bet to use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's apply. 
Now it's time for the world famous podcast treble. Treble, yes, treble indeed. I don't know why I said that three times. Obviously, underlining the treble part of it. Uh, National treasure, Sir David Attenborough, may or may not have said, I like hearing about the treble even more than I like watching tigers run around. Uh, just for the lawyers, he didn't say that. He definitely didn't say that. How this works is the three of us each come up with a selection. Our lovely traders uh, wrap them up into a boosted treble. I'm going to go first because I'm the presenter and I'm allowed to control the order. And I'm going to back Brentford to win against Norwich at around about 1.66. So that's my contribution. I'm going to go with Stinch next because I went to Mark first last time and he moaned about it. So I'm going to go with Stinch next. I'm going to go for over 2.5 goals in Leeds versus Leicester, which is currently 8-13. So hopefully boost it up to around about 4-6, to six, maybe 8-11 to 11 in, in the treble. Leicester's games, 19 of them, 19 of the last 25 have gone over 2.5. So it's a nice healthy strike rate of, of 76%. And I believe that both teams give you a chance at the back you only have to look at Leeds last weekend with the goalkeeper passing the ball out for a corner that they conceded from so uh, both games they were I think they were 3-1 and 4-1 last season so don't trust either defence and I think the beauty here is uh, you get one team that just score you all the goals in a a 3-0 or 4-0 win so yeah over 2.5 while I try and work out why I had a mini breakdown saying podcast treble uh, I'll go to Mark O'Hare yeah, I'll just repeat a bet I've already mentioned, which is Chelsea to win to, to nil, um, or Chelsea and both teams to score no, whichever way you want to work it. It's the same bet um, for all the reasons I've already outlined. I think uh, the increase from two to nine to, to not far off even money is, is a great bet. Well, that's all we have time for on this episode of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of information about Safer Gambling Week and our Safer Gambling tools on that section of betting.betfair.com. Lots of other shows, by the way. Cricket Only Better, NFL Only Better, a couple of racing shows as well. Check us out on social at Betfair Racing or at Betfair. Thanks for your questions. We very much enjoyed uh, having those in from Stint from Mark and from me. It's goodbye for now. <laughs>